Savannah Graywin was 22 years old, in love, and eight months pregnant with her first child. She dreamed of being a nurse. She and her boyfriend were planning to move into their own apartment soon, although she wanted to stay close to her family after the birth of her daughter, whom she planned to name Hazley. Living in the same apartment complex, just two floors above, were Brooke Cruz and her partner, William Henry Home. Months before, after the two of them had broken up and he had threatened to leave her for good, Cruz had told him she was pregnant, although it wasn't true. She had even emailed him a snapshot of a positive pregnancy test and a fake ultrasound picture. Now, on August 19, 2017, Home was telling her he didn't think she was really pregnant and that she better produce a baby or else. Brooke Cruz was desperate. This episode is about the tragic events that unfolded when a woman who needed to be pregnant met someone who was. Savannah LaFontaine Graywin was about to experience one of life's greatest joys, becoming a mom. The 22-year-old was eight months pregnant with a baby girl and thrilled to be starting a family with longtime boyfriend Ashton Matheny. Savannah lived with her parents and two siblings in Fargo, North Dakota, where they all shared a basement apartment. Norberta and Joe Graywin could not have been more excited about little Hazley Joe coming into their lives she would be their first grandchild. For Savannah, Saturday, August 19, 2017, started off just like any other day. The heavily pregnant mom was feeling pretty uncomfortable in her third trimester and struggled to get around. Savannah had just ordered a pizza when her upstairs neighbors, Brooke Cruz, asked her if she could come up to her apartment and model a sewing project. Brooke reassured Savannah it would be quick and offered to pay her $20. Before Savannah walked up to Brooke's apartment, she texted her mother, Norberta, to let her know where she would be. Savannah was supposed to give her 16-year-old brother a ride to work that day at 3 p.m., so she told her mother she'd be right back. That text message would be the last time Norberta would ever hear from her daughter again. When Savannah hadn't returned from Brooke's apartment by 2.30, Her mother sent her brother up to go get her, but there was no answer when he knocked on the door. A few minutes later, Savannah's father, Joe, went up to Brooke's apartment. This time, Brooke opened the door, but explained to Joe that they weren't finished, so Norberta ended up taking her son to work. But when Norberta got home, there was still no sign of Savannah. She went up to Brooke's apartment to see if she was still there, and Brooke explained that Savannah had left shortly after her father had come to the door. Norberta was concerned. She never really trusted Brooke, and she felt uncomfortable by the way she would stare at Savannah. Only a few weeks prior, Brooke had come to the Graywin residence to ask Savannah if she wanted to smoke pot at her apartment. Norberta wondered what kind of person would ask a pregnant woman to do drugs. She immediately sensed something was not right. Savannah's car was still in the building parking lot, and her wallet was in their apartment. It was very unlikely that Savannah had gone somewhere on foot, being as far along as she was. Plus, it was just out of character for Savannah to leave without telling anyone where she was going. 
Real panic set in, though, when Norberta found out that Ashton, Savannah's boyfriend, had also not heard from her since earlier in the day. Within an hour of noticing Savannah missing, the Graywinds called the Fargo Police Department to report their daughter's disappearance. Three officers arrived and took down all the details, and then went up to talk to the person who last saw Savannah, Brooke Cruz. According to police, Brooke was home with her live-in boyfriend, William Hone, when they arrived. She invited the officers in and told them that she hadn't seen Savannah since she had left her apartment earlier. Brooke even gave the officers permission to look around her apartment and do a consent search, but the officers noticed nothing out of the ordinary. They did see evidence of Brooke's sewing project and wondered why she would ask a pregnant woman to model an outfit. When police questioned the other residents of the building, a couple that lived in the apartment below Brooke told police that they had heard noises coming from Brooke's apartment around the time Savannah was there. They said it sounded like someone was banging on Brooke's bathtub for about 20 minutes. Then they heard the shower turn on. Because Brooke and William fought so much, the couple ignored the noise, thinking it was another argument. But now, Brooke and William were officially on police's radar. The next day, there was still no trace of Savannah. The Graywin family was beside themselves and growing frustrated with police, who explained there was little they could do at that point. There was no evidence a crime had been committed, and Savannah was an adult who could have left on her own will. By Sunday evening, police had conducted two more searches of Brooke's apartment, but still found nothing suspicious. Savannah and her family were Native American members of the Spirit Lake tribe, and the Graywinds suspected there was some racial prejudice going on with the police department. They believed that had Savannah been a missing pregnant Caucasian woman, more effort would have been made to find her. But Fargo police claimed they had exhausted many resources, and they conducted aerial canine and river searches. When officers questioned some of William Holmes' co-workers, they heard something suspicious. William had mentioned to them that there was a baby at his apartment. The police were granted a search warrant for Brooke and William's apartment, and on Thursday, August 24th, the police conducted a full and thorough search again of her apartment. They were shocked to discover Savannah's newborn baby girl, Hazley Joe. Born four weeks early, she was miraculously safe and healthy. Hazley Joe was taken to a children's hospital and remained in Child Protective Services until DNA could determine she was Savannah and Ashton's baby. Although Brooke and William had been arrested, Savannah was still missing. The Greywinds organized a three-day search in which hundreds of people fanned out across Fargo looking for Savannah. The Greywinds' hope of finding their beloved daughter alive came to a devastating end when Savannah's body was found in the Red River. Kayakers paddling downstream made the grim discovery of Savannah's body wrapped in plastic and duct tape, stuck between some trees. Preliminary results from Savannah's autopsy said the cause of death was homicidal violence. After her arrest, Brooke originally told investigators that Savannah had willingly given her Casley Joe. But during her trial, Brooke came clean about the brutal details of her crime. She explained how she had told William she was pregnant as a way of keeping him from leaving her. Brooke then became obsessed with the idea of a baby and began to believe her own lie. While she denied that William knew she was going to murder Savannah and take her baby, she said there had been an unspoken understanding between them and that William was expecting her to give him a child. 
On the stand, Brooke recalled how she had lured Savannah into her apartment that fateful day. Once there, she said she started a fight with Savannah and pushed her, causing her to hit her head on the bathroom sink and be knocked unconscious. This, though, disputed earlier testimony from a medical examiner who said Savannah's autopsy showed no signs of a head injury. Brooke said she then got a box cutter and performed a crude cesarean section on Savannah, ripping Hazley Joe from her womb. William arrived soon after Brooke performed the savage surgery on Savannah. Blood was everywhere, and she asked him for help. According to Brooke's testimony, William tied a rope around Savannah's neck and tightened it just to be certain she was dead. Savannah's body was hidden in the bathroom closet when police conducted the first two searches of Brooke's apartment. They hid the baby under blankets on the bed next to William. After the police left, William cut a hole in a dresser and placed Savannah's body in it so they could take her out of the apartment without anyone seeing it. Medical examiner Dr. Froloff told the court that he was never able to determine if Savannah died of blood loss or strangulation. Brooke Cruz was sentenced to life without parole for conspiracy to commit murder and kidnapping. William Holm was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. He pleaded guilty to charges that he conspired to kidnap Savannah's baby, but never conspired to murder Savannah. He must serve a minimum of 25 years to be eligible for parole and is now appealing his sentence. Brooke Cruz was so desperate to hold on to William Hone that she was willing to kill to make that dream come true. In the end, Savannah Graywin died needlessly, and her beloved baby girl was left without a mother. As a mama four, I know how much joy a baby can bring, and how hard it can be when months go by and the dream of getting pregnant isn't coming true. But fetal abduction is not about a maternal urge gone wild. The perpetrators are driven more by narcissism than an obsession to nurture. In fact, in many of these rare cases, research suggests that not only is there no evidence these women bond with the babies they snatch, they often have a history of neglect or abuse toward the children they already have. Brooke Cruz had lost custody of three previous children after showing little interest in parenting them. In these cases, more often than not, the baby is just a means to an end. These women are desperate to hold on to a relationship and think producing a child is the best way to do it. Then they target a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, or they befriend a stranger online and make plans to steal a full-term fetus. If there's any silver lining in this sad story, it's that Hazley Joe is now 18 months, walking and talking and happy. And while she will never have her mom, she is being raised by a dad and extended family who adore her.